Chapter Four of Titus, a Comrade of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen Preckle. Titus, a Comrade of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter Four. The next morning, Stephen awoke to find himself in the room behind the hated leathern curtain. He had slept heavily and late and as he rubbed his eyes sleepily and looked about him in the semi-darkness, he became aware that he was alone. "'Father and the men are gone, and I am glad,' he said to himself. "'Titus is fishing, at least I hope he is, and mother is at the fountain.' The room in which he lay was very much like those of the humbler sort in the east to-day. It was, in fact, the house, there being only the one apartment. The walls of rough stone plastered with clay were windowless, and over the one door hung the aforementioned flap of leather. This was torn in several places, and admitted here and there two or three dazzling sunbeams, which afforded Stephen some faint satisfaction, for by means of them he could guess a little at the time, which at best dragged heavily enough. When the yellow shafts of light rested on the wall opposite the door, lighting up the shapeless, smoke-blackened wineskins which hung there, then it was three hours before noon. As the sun climbed higher in the heavens, the sunbeams descended from the wall and lay upon the floor, yellow pools of light, and cheerful to behold, though they rested upon a wretched floor of dried mud. When they disappeared toward noon, Stephen felt a daily sense of loss, which nevertheless always gave way to a lively satisfaction when he reflected that presently night would come. Night brought Titus and the long cool hours on the housetop, and best of all an hour of play with Gogo. He fell to thinking of Gogo now, as he lay idly watching the motes which danced in the yellow shaft of sunlight. How smooth and dimpled his little hands were, like rose-leaves, Stephen thought. How straight and strong and rounded his little limbs, and then his beautiful eyes, golden-brown, with such long curling lashes, and the rings of golden hair, half covering the tiny pink ears. And was not his voice sweeter than any bird's, and his teeth like little pearls? Nay, said Stephen aloud, as he finished cataloguing these varied charms, there is no baby in the world like Gogo. At this point in his meditation, someone raised the leathern flap and entered the room. It was Prissa. Hast thou fetched the water, mother? said Stephen, half raising himself. Nay, child, I have not been to the fountain yet. And turning her back hastily, Prissa made a suspicious sound as if she were choking down a sob. What ails thee, mother? queried Stephen too much accustomed to see his mother in tears to be especially alarmed. Hath father been beating thee again? No, no, child. Father and all the rest went away before daybreak, and Titus with them. It is not that. But, oh, how can I tell thee? And here Prissa broke down completely and sobbed aloud. What is it? Do tell me, mother, said Stephen, now thoroughly frightened. Well, I suppose I must tell thee, said Prissa reluctantly. But I fain would spare thee, my poor boy. Thou hast so much to bear. Our neighbor came early this morning to call me, the baby, and here the woman wept again, covering her eyes with her hands as if to shut out some painful sight. The baby, exclaimed Stephen in an agony of impatience. Oh, tell me, is he dead? No, no, I only wish that he was, for then he were out of his pain. This morning, Ada told me she wakened suddenly. She was sleeping on the roof, and the baby with her, by the sound of a heavy fall in the courtyard below. In a moment she saw that the baby was gone, and running to the edge of the parapet she saw— And again Prissa covered her eyes with her hands. Yes, she went on in a broken voice. The little fellow had wakened up early, as all babies do, and had crawled to the edge of the roof. 
in one place the ledge is broken away and he had fallen onto the stones below he is frightfully hurt he cannot live the day out thank the gods for that but i must go back and stay with her though tis little i can do to help stephen had heard this frightful tale in silence but now as his mother looked at him she saw his face white and drawn i cannot bear it mother he gasped huskily his mother was frightened by his look and words oh stephen she cried thou'lt break my heart thou art my baby and all i have thou must bear it lad for my sake i will not go back i will stay with thee no no wailed stephen go back thou mightest do something to ease him go quickly prissa hastily placed some bread and dried fruit with a small gurglet of water near the lad and went quickly away saying as she left the room i will come back soon if there be a change for a few moments after she had gone stephen lay as if stunned his baby his go-go crushed and bleeding could he never see him again oh those little hands never again would he feel them like rose leaves on his cheek those little feet never to walk again i cannot bear it he cried and again and again i cannot bear it presently into his brain half crazed with suffering flashed the remembrance of the nazarene he is here not far away he could heal him oh if mother would only come back she could find him but she is not here she will not come perhaps he is dying even now if only i could walk i can crawl a little i will try i must try i must do something to help oh my gogo my gogo the boy had taken a desperate resolution it was true that he could crawl a little but of late the exertion had caused such an aggravation of his malady that his mother had forbidden it slowly he let himself down from the raised platform which occupied one end of the room and on which the family slept to the earthen floor beneath every movement causing the most exquisite anguish in his injured back but he persevered and at length reached the door then came the painful journey across the courtyard suppose that he could not open the door that led to the street it was a terrible thought great drops started out on the boy's forehead a few feet more in the door was reached it was unlatched prissa in her sorrowful haste had forgotten to close it after her stephen pushed it boldly open and in another moment was in the street here he paused to reflect at the end of the street was a market-place i must go there he thought i must find him before long or it will be too late the street in which he lay was so narrow that one standing in the middle of it could touch the walls on either side there were no windows no one was visible which way was the market he did not know it surely must be toward the lake i will go this way he said aloud and nerving himself for the effort he crept painfully down the street the stifling yellow dust almost strangled him the small flinty stones cut his limbs and the burning sun beat down fiercely on his uncovered head presently he stopped his heart beat thick and painfully black spots floated before his eyes but he could see that the market-place was not far off already he could catch the hum of voices or was it but the roaring in his ears another effort an agonizing one this time and the lad found himself at the corner of the street he had succeeded in reaching the market-place there were the booths with many things principally fish spread out thereon just as he remembered it when titus had once carried him to see it a long time ago there were many people there buying and selling but no one who looked like the wonderful nazarene no one noticed the poor little figure lying there in the dust one man it is true nearly stepped on him as he hurried along with a huge basket of fish on his head but he only muttered something in an angry tone about beggar brats and passed on stephen's misery increased with every passing moment the pain in his back was well-nigh unbearable he was burning up with thirst and faint with hunger still he strained his gaze eagerly after every passer-by with a hope which grew ever dimmer 
presently he saw with terror that two or three of the fierce half-wild dogs of the town were sniffing about him he shrieked aloud and covering his eyes with his arm screamed frantically mother mother in the midst of his agony he became aware that someone was speaking to him he looked up and saw standing between him and the blinding glare of the sun a man to stephen lying prone in the dust he looked very tall this the boy saw yet it was something else which hushed his sobs and caused him to look upon this man with breathless awe that face of mysterious beauty those wonderful eyes deep tender unfathomable it could be no other than jesus gogo was saved with a cry of joy stephen raised himself and with hands clasped and eyes still fastened on the stranger half whispered thou art jesus he that healeth i know it thou canst save my baby he fell from the roof and is crushed and dying a beautiful smile dawned in the stranger's eyes and lifting his face toward heaven he said i thank thee o my father that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes then looking again upon stephen with a tender compassionate gaze which comprehended all his weakness and deformity he laid his hand gently on the boy's head according to thy faith be it unto thee go in peace and lo under that blessed touch the boy felt all weariness all pain all weakness pass away and with a cry of exceeding great joy he arose from the ground perfectly healed blessed indeed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy end of chapter four